How's it going, everyone? Welcome to another episode of Soapstone. My name is Jake, and I'm joined by my co-host, as always, Dave. How's it going tonight, Dave? Uh, it's going, it's going okay. I literally did not see the countdown. You, you were like, you snuck <laughs> I, it in. I, I hot dropped, hot <laughs> dropped you into the situation. Usually, Jake has like these booming, like he counts down from three, but like there's such gravitas behind mm -hmm. what he's saying. You're like, oh shit, we're actually starting. Yeah, it's like the YouTube videos. It's like number one, <laughs> and then we start coming in at number one. <laughs> Thanks for watching. Here. Watch Mojo. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's all. Yeah. There's been related to what you're talking about. Um, I've been watching just a lot of miscellaneous clips from movies and crap like that on YouTube. And there's a lot of channels out there that are just before it seemed like it was mostly. So you did get like, but like cinema clips or whatever it was called something else, movie clips. Mm -hmm. And then a bunch of like low quality independently. People are just uploading this. Um, and now there's like dedicated channels a lot more dedicated channels that are just like, here's a clip from the movie. Here's our obnoxious intro and outro. Ring the bell sound in the middle. And it's so dumb. It is. What's like from a, a standpoint of like, how does that channel succeed? I get that people typically want like short form. Like they don't want to go watch a whole old movie from like the 1980s, but they might want to see like, oh, I heard about this scene. I'll watch for five minutes and then I'll fuck off and do something else. Yeah. But I do wonder why they're not getting taken down. Cause there's no way that a lot of these just completely independent small channels have the licenses or rights to show any of that content. Yeah. Usually UMG is all up in that shit. Yeah. I was actually, a lot of the clips I was watching were um, Westworld and Ooh. some game of Thrones stuff. Yeah. And it's like, how, so, how is any of this here? So Westworld, huh? <laughs> is it has it been long enough we could probably talk about it and dave, dave's literally <laughs> Part, preparing his my mustache, mustache. <laughs> yeah i probably need to trim it a little bit it's uh it's at the length right now we're eating wings is you just got to commit to it and then just take a power wash afterwards yeah um i don't ever get that much facial hair but at the same time i don't shave well enough that i ever look kempt except like one day <laughs> immediately after <laughs> I shaved. So worst of both worlds. Speaking of but, worlds, though. West, West worlds. West world. <laughs> yeah, it was really funny because I was watching a... Um, it, what it was is it was an end of season one analysis breakdown video, which is really hilarious. Like, I've seen the other seasons, you know, maybe not the most recent. I don't know how many seasons there are. There are, there are three seasons. Yeah. I don't know if I saw three. Maybe you didn't see three. I don't think I saw three. Um, but also, I think people were like, ah. don't see three. <laughs> exactly. But it was really funny, like watching someone analyze, like, what could all of this mean when you know what it will mean? Right. You're like the mm -hmm. time traveler. Um, and man, season one. It it's really so good. good. Yeah, if I'm if I get to do a callback to three minutes ago where I said gravitas, mm -hmm. holy shit, the yeah. show does a really good job of well world building, getting you interested and invested in the characters, um, but then like the decisions that each character makes, especially as the show goes on throughout the season, mm -hmm. uh, becomes more important. There are so many scenes with uh, Anthony Hopkins where you're like, oh shit, and yeah. those moments are really hype, but 
the way they're allowed to get away with like a two minute monologue is because like they've built it up. Yeah. Uh, they have like a really good slow burn. They're never like just jumping between scenes and doing random stuff for shits and giggles. Yeah. Like in season one didn't really have all that many action scenes. Like there were some, there were some fights, you know, you had your gun fights, things like mm-hmm. that. Maybe, you know, like a runaway or whatever, but like, that's not where a lot of the tension was. Um, a lot more of the tension for me is like these characters and what in the world is going on and what are they trying to do? It was written so, so incredibly well. There was one thing that um, we'll make a note. Let me just make a note in fo- footnotes to have a spoiler alert for <laughs> freaking Westworld in here. Uh, Westworld. There we go. Um, the I like that. I, I, I have to call that out now in the middle of the episode, even though people would have seen me anyways whatever um there was a point where uh ford is talking about the bicameral minds and how um the idea was like this like escalation up the pyramid of these different concepts but like what he does first is he erases someone something on the board that was like Mm -hmm. in a circle and then he like draws the pyramid of ascension like in the circle where the circle is like faded and it's not even part of like the foreground it's not what you're looking at anymore and later the revelation is like the bicameral mind is the maze and you're going inward and then it resembles the circle which was the very first time it was represented in the show yeah and it's like it's so good it's like it's literally the difference between a good writer knowing where they're going, describing the scene where they're at, right? Like that's absolutely necessary for an actual callback. Um, and it's just really good. Yeah. It's, there's a surprising amount of instances like that. Mm-hmm. One of the big standout ones for me, and I assume we're just spoiling random things now. Yeah. It's freaking all of it. Um, and at, at this point, it's it's so close because like you as the person watching, if you're paying attention, you're already on board. But if you're not, like they give you like another like 10 second reprieve. Mm-hmm. But this is where uh, Bernard and I forget her name. Yeah. Um, I can't remember, but it's really the, bugging me. The person from the board, right? Yeah. Uh, she's in charge of stuff. Doesn't work in his department. Um, but basically, they're going exploring outside to like some off-site location that Ford has, like his, his own secret lab that it's not actually on the map of the park. Mm-hmm. Um, and you're seeing this from like the the perspective of the viewer. So you just see them in a house, and right. you've already been to the house previously in the show. Um, and like they're both looking around in the exact same room, same area. Oh yeah, and yeah. she says like what's this door? And he's like, what? So he doesn't see it or notice it. And you can easily pass that off as like, oh, he didn't. It's whatever. People miss stuff all the time. Jake was just talking about not under or seeing part of like something in his basement before. Right. Mm-hmm. So it's very easy to sweep that under the rug. But if you're paying attention to the show and as this explained, like two minutes later, Bernard is actually a host. Yeah. And mm-hmm. the reason he can't see it is because they have an automatic block or something that like they can't, understand or that could possibly hurt them 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, they have like um, and they were they were describing. I remember I remember that scene because it's one of the ones I watched recently, not that long previous. They were describing like how they could selectively hide things from the mm-hmm. host. It's like, oh, how is this house hidden out here? It's like, well, none of the hosts would see it. Like, it's not you know, part of their programming. And this is the layers of programming in Bernard, right? It's like he can see the house, but there's things hidden that he can't see within the house until it's like blatantly outright revealed to him. And he also has a really hilarious kind of expression yeah. when he's like, look like slowly walking through the door frame. <laughs> like what is going on? You know? Yeah. But like, even at that point, you as the, like the, the viewer might not know Mm-hmm. But when like she sees like the diagrams of like here's Bernard and his animatronic body, mm-hmm. uh, and she's like, "Do you see this?" And he's like, "It doesn't look like anything to me," which yeah. is like the the phrase the of like, "Oh, you know what that means." Yeah. Um, but it was a huge thing at that point. You're like, "Oh my god, that's the final point where it's like that's the the nail in the coffin," and mm-hmm. then they start to reveal to you some instances of like, "Hey, remember when we showed you this scene? Mm-hmm. Remember when we talked about how?" hosts are rooted uh, sorry rooted in like a traumatic experience mm-hmm. that they keep going back to and then it immediately goes to like talking about bernard and his dead son yeah but you're just like oh it's just a scene transition mm-hmm. they have yeah, so like, many things like that in the show i'm like ah oh, the writing's so good yeah the, the first season writing was was insane and it also like it pulls off good twists like that are earned where like in writing, in world building, anything like that. If you're going to have a twist, there's different ways you can do it. There's kind of the way that like Game of Thrones went, which is like, we're just going to have things happen and we'll leave things open. Mm-hmm. And then I'll kind of come back on these maybe and make it seem like this was planned back then. Right. It's, it's writing forward, always writing forward. Um. And then there's like what I was describing earlier is, you know, where you're going to end up and you definitively know where you're going to end up. So you can seed hints early Mm -hmm. about what's going on and actually have them be meaningful. Not like vague hints that like may or may not turn into anything. You'll see that a lot in shows that go beyond like the initial plot, you know, the season two Um, and season three. They're like, maybe we can hook into this later. Yeah. Did we not tell you about the great evil? It's been around for 50 years. We forgot to mention it in seasons one and two. Right. There's there's the bigger, badder guy. Right. Like, um, and Westworld has legitimate like, here's just a symbol. And later it's something that's recognizable. And it, it does that. Right. It's like um, you see it. You get like the image of what something is, but you don't know what it means yet. And then later they come back and they're like, and this is what it means. And everything just fits into place. Um, Yeah, the show's literally got no, I'm trying to think of an instance, but I'm blank at the moment. No chaff, I would say. Mm -hmm. I don't think there's any filler scenes, filler characters. They don't have one of my least favorite tropes of, hey, we're going to have, you know, these people in a romantic relationship because, uh, Somebody wants to see that, so we gotta have it to check a box. Yeah, like they have the opposite (laughs) of that. Actually, Uh, explain. They have like so, like the relationship of um, ah, crap. What's the name of the 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 main character cowboy protagonist prior to Revelation? 
he's one of the, the I think he's the titular yeah not titular but like the first character in the show I'm looking him up now I um, feel bad that I forget so many of these names yeah Ter- Teresa is the name of the one lady that's right um, yeah uh William really William 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 there he is I he was right in there in the character he was like five in and I couldn't see him um he's like oh his relationship with Dolores and like the like attachment to the park and all of this other stuff going on and they're like maybe this is sort of a romance type it's absolutely not like (laughs) our podcast will get demonetized if we explain the full length to which it is not well but so I would say for a good portion of it it is kind of a, a will they won't they like they're going on this adventure together basically yeah um and like they do develop feelings for each other and they do end up bang, you know, they'll bang. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> what is that from? It's, it's from, it's a parody of uh, mass effect. Oh uh, yeah. Yeah. Well yeah. bang. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, um, they obviously have something more romantic and then Dolores and Teddy have more of like a, a very, a strong relationship Mm-hmm. But I don't think they they ever banged. Not that I remember. I think t- Teddy is kind of like he's a member of her party. Yeah, more pretty than much. Anything. Um, and more very much more explicitly later <laughs> as their storylines are written. But, um, but yeah, and, and there's also of course uh, Bernard and Teresa. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but none of these are like for the sake of like, oh, it's saucy or whatever. But you just understand that they have a relationship and a connection to each other. So later on, it it heightens the stake of some things. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But I don't, I don't think it's for the sole purpose of like heightening stakes. Yeah. It's, it, it's just character development, right? It's yeah. completely feasible and reasonable development. The relationship between Teresa and Bernard is obviously directly a plot point later um the one between uh william and dolores is like it exists to be played off later right like mm-hmm. there's the build-up there's like oh they feel things for each other all of this and then there's the reset right the 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 moment where william comes back with a slightly different hat <laughs> and um he's like i was just a piece you know on the board that is this game and this will unfold and has unfolded for other people however many times yeah and i really like all the acting that everybody does also of course ed harris is a fucking boss Hmm. also his name is very similar to ed harrison who did the neo tokyo soundtrack (laughs) yeah (laughs) i was like what's did he compose yeah yeah i would love it if it's the same fucking guy i'd be like oh my Mm -hmm. god it's that guy is Ed Harris the... He's the man in black. Gotcha. The man in black, yeah. Yeah. Um, I don't know what else he's been in, but I'm sure he's been in some other stuff that I've seen. He has to have. He's Probably been, more so like some movies in the 90s. Yeah. But I'm I forget curious. all of those movies. We're going to... Oh, okay. This isn't a useful search. I got to find... I got to reverse played by Ed Harris. You have to just do IMDb. I'm, I'm getting there. <laughs> he's in the Truman Show. Yeah, he was the antagonist, the uh, overseer. Yeah, that's right. For the Truman Show. Okay. It's been a while since I've seen that movie. Apparently he was in Apollo 13 and some other movies I've 
really, really not seen. Stuff that um, your dad's probably seen. It's that yeah. category. Oh, it's a dad movie. Yeah, he has 108 credits. One of these is called The Adderall Diaries. I don't know what that is. Anyways. Um, it's about yeah. this one time in college. <laughs> uh, so I will say that's a kind of contrast we're talking about with um, Westworld. And I, I won't spoil anything here because it's it's very new. Um, I watched season three of Stranger Things recently. Or four. Mm-hmm. Season four, sorry. Um, I enjoyed it. thought it was good. I have some issues with some of the plot points where it's going, but it's also they're breaking it up into two parts at least. Mm-hmm. Um, and on the last episode, like they have essentially the last episode is like they're building towards something. They reveal something. Mm-hmm. And I feel like 20 minutes in, you're like, okay, I, I get it. But then they like, they keep going and like, they really hammer home. And then uh-huh. like, they, they give you like the, you cannot be confused at all. Like what we're yes. trying to say. I'm like, Oh dude, I, I've been there for 20 minutes. Like I right. get it. Um, yeah. And it felt like they were just driving it home a little too much. Mm-hmm. Um, where I feel like it could have been done a little more of a subtle way. Still really enjoyed it, but it, it definitely is in a different tone and approach mm-hmm. that I don't think I appreciate as much. Yeah. It's not nice to be led by it's, it's honestly an art. The balancing act of revealing the twist is you want people to figure out the twist exactly before it's explicitly stated you want it to be like the closer those two things are without Mm -hmm. overlapping the better because like if you figure out a twist really early in the series either you're just like a prodigy or savant or something and none of your friends believe you but that's not like the common case for most people um and if you did figure it out that early then like you're like when am i getting my payoff right like when is this actually gonna when when's the show gonna come forward with it um that's not fun if the it's continuing to like lead you along so far after you figured it out but on the opposite side if you don't figure it out until it's revealed to you that's also like it can be good like you can definitely it can be a good moment but it's not going to be as impactful as if the reader or the viewer on their own was compelled by the pieces of the puzzle to put it together right before the drop and then you're there emotionally engaged for the drop where you're like i've got it and then they explain it you know yeah it's like um let's say in season or episode one of a show let's say it's like a murder mystery and maybe they um like you see the murder weapon and you're like ah that sticks out my brain i know exactly it's a smith and wesson this blah 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 Mm-hmm. And then later on, you just like see it in the corner of like somebody's room at like, oh, the police are talking to Jamie Sue, mm-hmm. but you see it in the room. If you're like an attentive viewer, you're like, oh, my God, I have some suspicions on her because that's the fucking murder weapon. Yeah. It's Chekhov's gun. Literally. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, so it's Chekhov. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, like and then later on, maybe like uh, she like turns and smiles towards the camera or something that would like. Yeah be a tell and it's like aha i'm revealing this and you're like okay i was correct Mm -hmm. are you just very close to being the exact same moment yeah exactly yeah um it's just really hard to do both of those 
like it extends to video games too it's hard to do a twist like the, the best twist is one that makes sense and you can, like i'm gonna go to bioshock for this right because okay. the classic twist right like and let's 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 analyze let me here let me add my spoiler alert for bioshock it's been out for freaking 20 years um the tell you know the the line is would you kindly right mm-hmm. and they use it all the way you know through the game but i don't know anyone personally who picked up on it the fact that like you the well, player yeah no are supposed to do this there's i feel like if you go into any type of medium with like the i'm gonna figure this thing out and mm-hmm. i don't we're probably not that close of friends um <laughs> well you but, don't know you don't even know a mystery's there right? that's the thing right like it's just a game and the guy is just saying this is a part of like his speech pattern like it's a turn of phrase that he, he's used to yeah and so you just accept it as oh that's the character that's how he talks mm-hmm. so you literally have no reason to be suspicious up until that point yeah the reasons for suspicion don't reveal the secret but they are things that should stand out as flags something that yeah. like bothers you a little bit like when you find out that the bathospheres are genetically coded and you're mm-hmm. like i just showed up though right like that's not explained and then later you get the piece of the hint you're like oh um andrew ryan's son was abducted by the the smugglers um and you're like okay well i could kind of see these two sort of relating but it, it really it's really unlikely that it's all going to come together like right before the reveal but for that reveal without explicitly telling you hey you are mentally conditioned and that is the reason that all of this is going on like andrew ryan starts to like use it on you more aggressively more obviously until you're literally just running around kneeling and following his orders at which point that is the hopefully it's the reveal (laughs) you you know (laughs) you figure out what's going on if not then they literally you know do the evil villain explain themselves uh, speech after and the heart stop but um it's such a good lead up right like the intensity of the hints and the like builds along with the feeling of foreboding that you're about to discover something really important. And that's the point. That's what you really want to have in whatever medium you have. You want that sense of impending importance right before it drops. Yeah. I don't have anything to add to those. Actually, it's <laughs> succinct, succinct, well put together. <laughs> yeah. I really did enjoy that though. Uh, it's one of the reasons that Bioshock is a standout game for me. Why I have a Bioshock tattoo I just got really immersed in the world, like the sound design, like the graphics, all the characters were interesting. And I just got so invested in the story. So like when that twist happened, I'm like, oh my God. And it stuck around in my brain for a very, very long time. And it was, it was impactful, similar to Westworld. Mm Mm-hmm. We're also Andrew Ryan's son, weirdly <laughs> enough. Yeah, it's it's odd. <laughs> There's always a man. <laughs> oh, oh, don't forget the lighthouse. That's oh, very, yeah, yeah, very that's, key. That's, that's the other thing, yeah. Um Yeah, no, it's would you say if we're talking about Bioshock, would you say Bioshock Infinite had a similar type of drop? Or do you think it didn't match up? Or do you think it was way better than Bioshock One? Right. So this is a complicated question because 
you almost cannot have a sim. It is. It is a similar reveal, right? Mm-hmm. It's an identity reveal. Um, but like, it's almost impossible to surpass the earlier one, just because just through the the law of repetition, right? Like, this is the second time it's happening. How could it possibly yeah. hit you as hard? For people who played Infinite first, maybe. You know, I'm sure going back and like seeing one, they're like, eh, I mean, it's fine or it's good, but the gameplay is not as good or whatever, you know, whatever you want to throw in there. Um, but it's it's definitely more narratively like they knew out the gate. They're like, our story is built around literally this twist and it's mm-hmm. going to be. Because, like, the twist in Bioshock 1 was not actually story impactful at all. Like, it, yes, as you're going through the plot, you were fulfilling, you know, all of these, like, touchstones. Yeah, but you're not, you're not a character in Bioshock 1. It's not as emotionally impactful because you are literally a silent protagonist. You're just a player going through a game and you're experiencing the world of Bioshock. Exactly. So it's still, like, a really cool story reveal but it doesn't like impact your interaction with the game so much you're just mm-hmm. like oh shit and that's kind of it it's still really yep. fucking cool but like as you're saying with bioshock infinite like you have the relationship with elizabeth mm-hmm. and like that shapes and colors the whole fucking game but you're yeah. also the character of booker dewitt who has a personality and yeah talks you could replace jack and bioshock one with ramirez (laughs) and it would have it would have been you know been the same game basically (laughs) maybe you wouldn't have relied on plasmids as much um but yeah like i would i would say it's crafted more holistically better into the narrative of bioshock infinite and i mean it's it's really good the reveal in bioshock infinite is really good if i were to say objectively having like if i hadn't played both games if I were to recommend one, I would recommend three. <laughs> I'd recommend Bioshock Infinite um, for the twist first. Yeah, same. And I don't think there is a twist in two. <laughs> well, we're spoiling Bioshock games to some degree or another. There's not one uh, at all to the same extent, at least. Hard no, to say. I, it's if anything, to it's just game. like some side story stuff or some chapters maybe in two. It's it's more about like a relationship. Like the entire game is pretty much about uh, the relationship between Delta and Wow, I almost said Elizabeth again. I can't remember her name. Can't remember her name. Anyways, little sister. That's fine. Um I wanna ask yeah. you another quick one on video game related. Mm-hmm. And I won't spoil this one. I don't want to go into detail because it I still think it's worth people going to watch if they haven't seen it. Have you seen Old Boy? Oh, uh, so I know what the spoiler is, but I've never seen it. <laughs> That's okay. Yeah, so yeah. I will say that um, the movie in itself is just great for so many reasons. Um, mm-hmm. But when they do their reveal, mm-hmm. um, again, I don't think there's really any lead ups to it, any hints. Um but like the whole movie, like you don't understand why the events are happening. Neither does the main character. So you're very much along for the ride with them. Mm-hmm. But it is it is a huge drop. Yeah, um, it's another one that demonetizes the, the podcast. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> 
together. Yeah, no, twists twist can be really hard to do because if you do them too often, it reduces the impact. Or if you screw it up anywhere along the way, it reduces the impact. And a bad twist is so much worse than no twist. Um, M. Night Shyamalan. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I feel like if you're going to have a series, I don't really know how many twists you can do because you don't want to have the expectation of what's oh, you waiting for the twist uh-huh. and then each episode you're like what is it yeah. um but it would be weird if you want to have a major drop like that revealed to a viewer or a reader to only have one mm-hmm. but not have it like towards the end because mm-hmm. it should be impactful there should be more lead up and build up you don't want to do that in like see uh, episode two season one yeah and then you have like five seasons it's really tricky because if you're talking about shows like realistically shows don't know how many seasons they're going to get this is one of the reasons the one of the big reasons that shows kind of tend to suck beyond the first like couple is it can be a complete waste of time to be like yeah yeah we're gonna get like 10 seasons of avatar the last airbender yeah why wouldn't we (laughs) you know like um you have to be able to pace the content delivery so that you're fulfilling the story that you're trying to tell um but not overstaying your welcome if executives are just like shut the whole thing down um because those are disappointing shows too right they were they were leading up to something and they just cut it off that's how you end up with shows like firefly where it was just like hey What's our culmination going to be? And they're like, freaking great season by season. And the executives are like, it's too fun. Kill it. (laughs) (laughs) Wait, the show or what? That's also been out forever. I don't care. Yes, Um, that one. That one happened in the movie. Most shows do not get that opportunity to close the loop by having a movie to culminate it all. Yeah, it's fucking Evangelion. Um, Mm -hmm. It. I feel like you have to write for exactly one season mm-hmm. and then treat everything else as hopefully you can build off of it, but I don't know. It's, it's hard to like, it is. yeah. Hey, I want to have like this cool thing. And you're like, I'm gonna do it for one season. They're like, Hey, you're greenlit for a second season. You're like, shit, I didn't mm-hmm. plan for two seasons. Yeah. So how do you extend everything that you wrapped up in season one? without Mm -hmm. possibly retconning something and fucking over the whole anime yeah it's it's really hard honestly like probably the easiest approach that can still be impactful to pay off is you have ties between one season and the next season some you might disappoint a little bit if your season gets canceled a little early but it's just this like loop of (laughs) of, all right we're establishing hooks we're going to deliver on them we're establishing hooks you're going to deliver on them but it's not going to be as good as yeah. a, a slow burn that's even even longer. I will say certain shows that are more, I want to say, suspense-oriented have a better chance of success at that. Mm-hmm. One thing that sticks out for me is we watched Dexter a lot in college. Right. Mm-hmm. And every episode, episode, episode was an hour-long, like, who's getting murdered? Is <laughs> uh-huh. he going to get caught? Uh, it was always very tense because you didn't know where it was going to going where it was going to go or something was going to get fucked up. Mm -hmm. Um, And I really feel like the show peaked at the end of season four. I felt like things were wrapped up nicely for Mm -hmm. everybody's arcs. 
and then they went another four seasons and then they just did another season separately did they actually yep it's wow. on like hulu or something and it's i watched an episode that was like free or something it's not for me yeah i don't know it's, but it's easier it's, to, to sorry to no you're good you can it. it's easier to have something like that where there's always the suspense because let's say the season ends and you don't know if there's gonna be another show you're like still like oh what's gonna happen next but for every episode's like that it's mm-hmm. not as much of a, a break if they're like hey there's no more seasons yeah it ends kind of how you expected it to anyway mm-hmm. yeah it's always nice when a show can just like wow that was dramatic that was a great cap um, this is exactly where it should end. You know, I'll, I'll know a season one. Great stuff. Um, thank you. Thank <laughs> you for that. It's been years. I don't remember anything about the show. Back and forth. Um, but just hearing him say that and having it recorded is, Ooh, mm. feels good. Uh, it's funny to, uh, it's fun. It'd be hilarious to get as many mentions as we get in here without actually spoiling anything. Cause we've mentioned a lot of topics. There's not all that much that we've spoiled. Um, there's one other show that's very indie. Not many people have seen it called Game of Thrones, mm-hmm. and this is a, the. I'm not even going to spoil it. it. Doesn't even matter. It's not going to be satisfying if I did. People have probably already seen it, but like this is the anti example of how like you do twists or payoffs or anything like that. It's like build it all up. Don't use any of it. Right? <laughs> like none of it mattered. Um, that is the worst. This is actually I described how like a bad twist is worse than no twist, and this is like an anti twist is even worse than a bad twist. So you had like all the components ready for some grand payoff, yeah, and you just don't use anything. <laughs> Somebody's getting invested in the show. You're like. Oh my god, this character in it. Oh, and they said this one thing. Oh, mm-hmm. and then it just now nah, we just never the had character. them on screen again. Exactly, uh, <laughs> they literally never show up again. <laughs> yeah, no, that was really one of the dumb. things. Like as that show was coming out, like the fan base who cared, so like me and some other people, like in our friend group, would like talk about, like, "Oh, you see last week's episode? Uh-huh, yeah, yeah, like what do you think is going to happen with such and such? Like, oh, well, in the books, like this character is this." And like you have this fun theory crafting in your community of where is it going to go next? Yeah. Are they going to use this thing or when's this happening? And then I know at least for, I think, Renfrey. I'm not sure. There's basically like some other like bastard son of Robert Baratheon. Mm-hmm. It wasn't Renfrey, somebody else. Um, and you're like, oh, he's technically an heir to the throne that could like lay claim. And then they're yeah. just like, nah, he's never going to be here again. And you're like, uh-huh. oh, okay. But even in the show, it wasn't like something just from the book. Like they actually built him up for like, hey, I'm so-and-so's kid. Smiles yeah. at camera. You're like, oh my God. Yeah, I think it's Podrick or something like that. Because it's the uh, the other guy, right? Like the blacksmith. The smith, yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. Pod the rod. <laughs> um, Time for some pod. Or Gentry. Is it Gentry? Maybe it's Gentry. It might be I Gentry. I think it's Gentry. He's it's hundred percent Gentry. Who's Podrick? Who is like the fat kid who made bread that Ari was friends with? Okay, so I'm searching for both of these pictures, and I'm both of these characters, and I'm getting the same picture, so I don't know what's happening <laughs> anymore. <laughs> Maybe an uh, alias. 
an alter yeah. ego. Is it? Is that it? I don't, I, know. I don't know. It's been too long. It's impossible to know. None of this made any sense. Um, <laughs> they just used the same character, and we just now realize <laughs> it's the same guy <laughs> playing two people. I will say that seems to be symptomatic of only like TV shows, though. Film mm-hmm. is obviously written for, hey, here's like your two to two and a half hours of like, this is the story. Yeah. Obviously, you can have sequels and other shit, but also games are written in the way of also can have sequels and shit but it's mm-hmm. here's what it is it was designed for this exact length mm-hmm. and then shows yep. have a little more variability i wouldn't um i'm not going to go much into literature because that's not our domain there's other podcasts for that but i read two authors in my lifetime and dr seuss that makes three um and uh brandon sanderson is really good at this. Dave knew it was coming because it's it's one of the two. Statistically, it's this or Robert Jordan. <laughs> Funny thing being, Brandon Sanderson actually finished the Wheel of Time series for Robert <laughs> Jordan after after he passed. Um, but there's he he's got series where it's like something seemingly inconsequential happens, um, and it's something else happens, and it's like two. It it's not a coincidence. It's like it's not obvious, but they're they're related. But you don't put together that they're related until later. So he does twist in a way that he's not always building forward, right? Mm-hmm. Where it's like he knows what the twist will be because he outlines the entire story beforehand. Um, and so he can go back and say, here's where things started to intersect and there were sparks when these two things came together. And it's not obvious like why the sparks happened and the reader may have questions about it, or maybe they don't even notice. But then once the reveal happens, it's like, was that mentioned in three previous books? Like, and that's crazy. Like, yeah, it's, I love that. I love a good, I got goosebumps describing like a fictional situation. I didn't even spoil (laughs) anything. Oh, the books arrived. That's cool. (laughs) Yeah. Um, but that's really cool and it only happens if the writers have uh, you know a cohesive story that they're telling from telling from start to finish yeah cohesion whether it's ingredients in a sandwich or storytelling mm-hmm. is so fucking important because otherwise it literally all falls apart you thought my metaphor mm-hmm. was shit you're wrong <laughs> <laughs> yeah but it if you're somebody who cares about it, literally without that, things just don't line up or make sense or they seem very random and you're it's harder for your brain to piece things together because they literally don't belong as far as you're concerned. Right. Mm-hmm. And it just, it sucks for storytelling. Like, have you ever talked to somebody and they're like relating a story of, hey, I was at somebody's house over the weekend and these things happen, but the series of events you're getting are very disjointed and out of place. Right. And you're like, how does that connect? Who's, how does so-and-so know Samantha? And uh-huh. trying to keep track of all of that sucks because it's not laid out in a way that makes sense. Mm-hmm. The funny thing here is you're still describing Westworld, actually. <laughs> season, <laughs> season one. <laughs> but that had, that had a payoff. Yeah. Um, and you didn't know the ordering was weird until later. Exactly. Yeah. Like I like when things can play off of 
the human brain for like, oh, you just expect something to be what it is because, oh, it's just, you assume that's part of the medium. But, oh, that's just how TV works. Mm-hmm. Or you assume something in a game and then you have your expectations subverted because they're like, oh, you are going to do that, aren't you? Right. Love it. It's good. No, no, it's good stuff. I like it. I like, I like mind games. Um, I also like Prey. I'm not going to really even talk about Prey, and I haven't even I was, thought about I how this I thought you were going to talk to about Prey before you said Bioshock. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, Prey doesn't... As I recall... Well, yeah, I'm not going to spoil Prey or even get come anywhere close. I won't describe whether it's in this category or not, but I do like the story. It's good. It's It's been out for like a while. Do we have an episode on Prey? I feel uh... like we must have. Maybe. I will say I, it was recently free on Epic Game Store. Not that it does anything for you now. Um, right. But still yeah, a solid I, pickup. Still recommend it as a game. There's like no no chance. Yeah, we did do Prey. It was uh, 20... Oh, okay. Uh, so How early 2020, was it? 2020, 0-2-0-2. Okay. That's cool. Yeah, February 2nd, 2020. I don't even remember having a special episode for that. But yeah, that was a Prey episode released in 2020-2020. It does not surprise me that we covered it because we both really enjoyed it. I know I jumped on the train much later. But after mm-hmm. I played it, I was like, why did you not make me play it earlier? <laughs> yeah. No, it's really good. It's really good. Um I I do want to play Moon Crash a little bit. I installed it and I was like, all right. Let's go. And then I've been playing Star Sector, but I beat it. Star Sector is done. That's why I was being social yesterday. Um, oh, okay. Completed all the content in that game, which I'm not even going to describe because trying to talk about space games in a podcast is more of a waste of time than talking about other games in a podcast. That's how bad it is. So. <laughs> um, but yeah, Moon Crash. Uh, I, I want to see it because um, what was the, the uh, oh, geez, I can't remember the YouTube channel. They do long form documentaries. Um, no, no clip. No I think. clip. Yeah, yeah. Um, they did a document documentary. Is the way I was going to say that. I'll just go with it. Um, on Deathloop, and specifically, they were like, "Hey, actually, they they open talking about Deathloop, and then they're like, just kidding. This is about Prey Moon Crash.'" <laughs> because they're like, "We made the same game, <laughs> but we changed." enough that it's Deathloop and it's this massively successful game whereas moon crash like three people played it well to be fair moon crash was a dlc and probably not marketed in the same way that Deathloop was no yeah where Deathloop was much more i don't could use this word enough bombastic um mm-hmm. in its marketing and it like was the everywhere. style of the game and it's i like literally didn't play it because people wouldn't shut up about it <laughs> I still think it's a good game, but it doesn't like it doesn't stick with me like sci-fi prey setting does. Mm-hmm. Like, um, but yeah, uh, Deathloop is it's great, but it's very much um, it's kind of optimized. It's a very streamlined. This is a game for you to play and enjoy with social and music and all this stuff. You know, most games have music. I don't know if I'm representing my point very well, but it's like. I don't want to say it's for casuals, but it's a game that 
absolutely they polished off the all the edges off of it um so it doesn't try many things that are too exciting as a side effect mm-hmm. loved it by the way i got 100 percent all the achievements <laughs> i don't think everything needs to be super niche and unique it just needs to be fun at the end of the day i was mm-hmm. watching some of the summer games with jeff keely who often gives me feelies when I'm driving around in my Heelys. Mm, um, yeah. I've been sitting on that rhyme for too many hours, honestly. <laughs> it's like as the minutes tick by, and it's like, all right, let's stop talking about Game of Thrones. <laughs> my notepad's open, says Healy, Feely, and uh, Keely. <laughs> but a lot of the indie games in that that were shown or showcased mm-hmm. didn't necessarily catch my interest because they didn't necessarily look fun to me. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm actually going to kneecap my point of... I've played enough stuff where I either just want something to be fun and familiar or it needs to break new ground for me to be like, oh, that's something new and exciting. My brain can attach onto that. There's a website versus... for this. Oh, something that would help me break new ground? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Albino Black Sheep. <laughs> that's it. <laughs> the home of Flash games. Armor <laughs> games. <laughs> Congregate. Yeah, I'm familiar. Uh, <laughs> But, we had an episode on that too. Sorry, I completely derailed your point. Oh, you're fine. Yeah. I I derailed earlier. I was like, I have to keep talking about this one thing, which I don't even remember <laughs> what it was now. Yeah. But some of the things in there uh, for the summer games did look interesting to me, but more of them were like the same people who did Dead Space did another type of game and a this similar role, I think. haha space. I forget who the company is. I feel like it's visceral, owned by EA. I mean, that would that would track. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it just seemed like a more modern Dead Space, which is looked more interesting to me than the Dead Space remake that they're doing, a remaster. Gotcha. Yeah. There's some other ones in there that looked interesting, but a lot of the indie space seemed like somebody wanted to tell a story or be like, hey, this is interesting to me as the developer. Yep. And awesome. I love you. I support you. But for me personally, those <laughs> ones just didn't, they didn't do it for me, you know? I, I like that. I really like that, that that line. It's like, I love you. I support you. I will not be giving you any money. <laughs> <laughs> I support you emotionally, emotionally not, not yes. fiscally. Uh-huh. We'll pay you an exposure. Yeah. Um, no, I mean, that's fair. I think, I mean... It hasn't changed. It's been true for like a very long time, but indie games are the, they are the savior of the industry. Like even if AAA games are good and they are often good, um, Elden Ring is a pretty good game. I have a topic I want to talk about regarding that later. Um, There we go. There's the obligatory Elden Ring aside. Like at the end of the day, Indie games are the ones where people are like, I really want to make this, so I'm going to make it good. And it's going to be full of heart and full of passion. And that's how you get stuff like Celeste and um, Amori. Yeah, Amori. Amori uh, fucking slaps. I still think about And Deltarune. Yeah. Like, those games stick with me because it it was an experience for me. Yeah. It wasn't just a game. Yeah. But I don't know if somebody just showed me a trailer of like, here's this thing. I don't know if it necessarily catch my interest. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of them were like right time, right place. 
Yeah, how but, do you trail trailer Amori? Right, uh, <laughs> you know, like it's, uh, it's basically impossible. Um, Cel- Celeste is a lot easier to trailer for. Yeah, um, you play the music. You don't even yeah. need video, and you're done. <laughs> you're like, sure, I'll buy it. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um. I don't know. It's. I always enjoy that indie games are attempting something. Yeah, and mm-hmm. a lot of them like are still amazing. Just because I wasn't necessarily a fan of it doesn't mean it didn't reach out to like a whole community of people. Yeah, like it just certain ones stood out to me. But if it wasn't for them, I I feel like I'd still just be stuck in the AAA space of, well, yeah, Call of Duty sucks. They keep making more NBA games and NFL. Um, yeah. But I pick like, oh, well, it's just from soft games I like and nothing else. Mm-hmm. But there are other games in AAA and indie that explore more but typically it's more indie is the passion project because it triple a games want something that's a little more safe and consistent and they know it's going to make sales yeah hmm. whereas a lot of indie games tend to be wild cards in comparison you really don't know how it's going to do until it takes off there's like there's a scale there's safe and then there's different mm-hmm. and the further you go to different the further you are away from safe and AAA games will pretty much always be, they will live in the immediate orbit of safe. Sometimes they get a little bit further out and you're just like, nice. But very often it's, you know, going to be pretty much the, the same thing you've already seen. Um, but any game, you know, one person makes a game and they it was their side job or something like that. They haven't quit their main job at McDonald's or something like that yet. Like if it fails... Uh, sucks i mean you probably put years of your life into it but um but they can basically afford to be crazy with it you know it can be a passion project and they're not beholden to someone saying like i don't think that's going to focus test very well you know yeah i so taking this podcast as a podcast as a medium obviously we We speak to death we speak to the dead (laughs) (laughs) we specifically play the audio uh, at local graveyards mm-hmm. not even for like the, the graveyard attendant when he comes by we turn it off mm-hmm. um, but we just do this ourselves and we definitely will talk amongst ourselves of like hey we might want to change something up here or there or I thought this worked or maybe this didn't work so well but we yeah. don't have any oversight because right. we do this for fun it's a, a passion project mm-hmm. versus we're trying to make a sponsor, somebody else happy. And then we feel we have to curb our words or breach certain topics specifically or avoid certain topics like China or Blizzard. Fuck. Mm-hmm. I, I really like the open format of, hey, here's something that we want to talk about and that we're passionate about. Let's share our thoughts and opinions on it. Right. The problem is now that we've shown that we'll go four years without a sponsorship who's going to give us one right they'll, they'll just be like ah, eh, mention our product we're not going to tell you anything it's <laughs> we're not going to give you any money you know <laughs> it'll support us emotionally emotionally yes yeah <laughs> they'll uh we'll get exposure <laughs> by talking about other people's products on our show <laughs> um, let's just let's just shout out other podcasts each time <laughs> yeah until one of them just shouts back it's like a ping uh, yeah, Synax and uh, Synax and 
Wow, I just realized that doesn't make any sense if you say it out loud in a podcast. You sound TCP a little bit like uh, the Jaden Smith. Realize, no. realize, realize. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, so anyways, that was, I figured, a nice warm-up on, on Westworld. We can cover the rest of the topics we had slated for this episode now. So in the news. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, okay. No, I think that's separate now. You know, we don't even talk about news during TalkCast. Explicitly avoid it. Yeah, I've... I've derailed Jake's news so many times that we were talking about just making it its own episode. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I do like it. I was thinking about that earlier. I was like, what's the best sarcastic way to introduce a different format? I mean, it would make sense to also introduce the format at the beginning of the other format, but basically we're on a sliding slope. We're becoming more and more lazy and more resistant to actually putting effort into anything. Um, and whatever that ultimate format is, We'll have four of those each month. <laughs> and that's where the podcast is going. Now, as, as we've said before, it's there's so many games that come out. Mm-hmm. And we play a lot of the same games. Yeah. Jake's been playing Star Sector for like two or three weeks. Yeah. And I don't I don't even know anything about it. We're probably yeah. not going to cover it as an episode. But he enjoyed playing it. And like I've been playing Dota <laughs> too. Um, yeah. But like we've already talked about it, no no re- reason to really delve back into it. Um, but I don't want to like be spending money on a new game each week and be like, gotta play through enough to talk about it. Uh-huh. I'm not a popular YouTuber. I'm just a, a guy talking with his buddy. Yeah, about to they video. Don't, they don't even give us free games. We're not that big yet for for us to play. I do have an aside, like a brief story though, because you were talking about yeah. like you haven't heard anything about Star Sector. I'm not going to describe Star Sector, oh. by the way. This is a meta story. But I like I accomplished something in the game, and I was like, sweet. This is like I've got my colony running or something like that. I figured out some mechanic. I'm make, achieving a milestone within the game, something I want to finish before I'm done with it. And I'm describing it to Jenny. Mm-hmm. And she's sitting there at the computer. And I'm standing up, kind of like walking around describing this as a crazy person does. And it just struck me that nothing I was saying was interesting. Like, <laughs> like it's the rare moment of clarity. I think we've all had a situation where someone's talking to us mm-hmm. and we're like, I don't want that anymore, <laughs> you know? Um, and or what they're saying is just the most boring thing. And you, you have your energy bar for how committed you would be to the conversation as it's going on. Yeah. Um, and you're like, this is... These are dangerously low levels. <laughs> like, what would be the cost if I just left, <laughs> you know, socially? Um, but as I was walking around and she was kind of like staring at me, I realized that she was like a trapped puppy, basically. And that uh, she was like, I'm not sure what's going to happen next, but I don't like the situation. because <laughs> <laughs> she, she was doing something else. And I like just, you know, start talking to her about this random crap and mechanics and spreadsheets and stuff. And I was like, okay, just finish this thought as quickly as I can. Then I went and I used the restroom and I apologized because <laughs> I was like, <laughs> I just realized everything I just said was the most boring nonsense imaginable. Like, and she just left. Um, she yeah. didn't deny it. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'm sure it's, it goes both ways with all relationships where like somebody's really passionate about something 
and you just don't have the same level of investment, but you're excited for them. So you want to hear them out. Yeah. But even mm-hmm. so at a point, I feel I'd like, like everybody has it. like a threshold of like, dear God. Uh huh. Yeah. I was recently at a Turkey Hill. I just went for like an energy drink and like some gum. Um, and there, there's like an older guy in front of me and he had the look of somebody who, if you're like, pick somebody who's a conspiracy theorist of this lineup of people, you'd be like, that gotcha. guy. Yeah. And like, he seemed nice enough. Um, but I had just recently asked the lady at the cash register where the gum was. And she like led me to a point. I'm like, oh, thanks. So I mm-hmm. went and got back in line. And this guy was checking out. And he was like talking. And her expression and also what she was saying was very much like an uncle at a picnic who's like drunk. And you're like, yep. Uh-huh. That's cool. Uh-huh. And just waiting for them to like be done and leave. And she's uh-huh. like, yeah, I'll definitely have to check that out. And I was like, oh, I went 100% I'm on board with what's going on. Because he was probably mm-hmm. suggesting something to her or maybe spying a conspiracy theory. Mm-hmm. Uh, and she was just not interested, not on board. But she's, you know, stuck there as that's her job. Uh, and not right. trying to be rude to a customer. So she's just trying to, like, move it along. Mm-hmm. Um, but I sympathize with her in that moment because I recognize the situation. Like, yeah. Yeah. That's actually, that's the number one sign of true love is when someone does that and it's not their job actually to sit there and listen to you (laughs) find those people keep them close or just do a podcast with them you know and just give them yeah (laughs) oh for sure i don't have any other topics i can't think of any exciting anecdotes from recently outside of that one story that's fair. Um, yeah, I guess we can just wait it out in silence for the last uh, last two minutes. Yeah, let's do it. Let's commit, <laughs> commit to the bit. Yeah. Look at me in the eyes for two minutes silently. That's impossible. It's literally impossible. I can think of nothing more awkward than doing that. Um, See, but I the, would I would derive enjoyment from you visibly being, feeling awkward. Yeah. It's like uh, I'm losing energy and, and Dave's just vampire. I, like, I would say I'm it. gaining energy. I would just find <laughs> it amusing because uh-huh. we've created an awkward situation. Mm-hmm. No, that's fair. Oh, I was going to say for the Elden Ring thing. Yeah. Um, I was actually talking to a coworker, and um, actually, why do I say coworker? I think we've we've had him on the, the show. So Nate, yeah. friend of the show, Nate, was telling me... Um, that he's been playing through uh that's gonna i'm never gonna live down there's just like yeah a co-worker <laughs> not a person that we've had on the show he's telling me he's been playing uh mod in elden ring and the mod is called seamless co-op what this mod does i i uh, looked it up while we were talking about it and he was also describing it to to me so he gets credit for that um usually after a co-op event like you beat a boss mm-hmm. the person vanishes that doesn't happen anymore. Person sticks around. If like one of the people um, teleports somewhere, the other person follows them. You <gasps> switch areas. That person's always there with you. If either of you die, respawn at the bonfire. So shared shared life in that regard. But otherwise, go through the game and play it in co-op, like the whole thing. I really want to do that. It's really cool sound. Like it's like, a really cool idea. We were even briefly talking about just doing like new game plus getting some people together and going like squad deep. 
where mm-hmm. everybody has like a different class. This person is the person with two hammers. This is our mage. This is the person who's very committed to doing only a role build. Um, that just sounds fun. Yeah. And I would, that would be my hook to go back and do it with somebody else. Yeah. Always good to do it with someone else. Um, yeah, that's, that's the obvious joke. <laughs> yes. Okay. That's the sex motion. Gotcha. Okay. Um, yeah, I guess like there's some caveats on it. Like the save game data is stored on the host's safe. I have no yeah, idea no, how they sense. did that. But like I don't know how they did that from a file integrity perspective and Elden Ring, but that's the way it works. Um I assume that and, you just have another file to essentially save the guests data. Yeah, I'm not sure exactly, but I guess it's all stored on the main computer. I don't know. We can figure it out, but um and then uh, Nate said that there were some issues with like the mandatory or the invasions. If you're invaded by an NPC, it would have some aspects of something online networking is supposed to happen here. Um, and the game is not happy with that. So you might have to stop, <laughs> drop, you know, drop connection, actually deal with the invasion and then like resume the co-op thing. Um, stop. No, it, drop. Wait a bit and, and resume the co-op. <laughs> yeah, doesn't doesn't quite work. Uh, but it's really cool, and I was impressed because like nothing like this ever came out for like Dark Souls three, and I don't think there was a major difference. So, I mean, the game's not been out that long that I would expect massive online mods like this to change it. But like, I don't know, it's cool. Yeah, I really like the possibility of that. Outside of just mm-hmm. seeing people do different skins. Hey, you know uh, Armstrong? He's this boss. Okay. Mm-hmm. Thomas the yeah. Tank Engine. No way. Which is, I still appreciate it. Um, mm-hmm. But this is something I would actually engage with. You know your game has made it when there's Thomas the Tank Engine mods. That's actually the, the one litmus test. Because I remember there was the mod for Skyrim that replaced the dragons with Thomas the Tank Engine. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and that's how that was when they made it. Todd Howard shed a tear, knowing that all of his all of his mountains had been crested. That was it. And then he went on to make Skyrim a billion more times before <laughs> yeah, Thomas the never Tank stopped. Engine mods. Never never ever stopped. Speaking of never stopping, if you have uh, any ideas for future episodes you could send those in to soapzonepodcast at gmail.com or you can join the discussion on Facebook at facebook.com slash soapstonepodcast. Always happy to meet the fans. Um, we're looking for suggestions for the names, the pet name for people who listen to the podcast. Um, I've got nothing. Soapstoners is what it can't that, be. Yeah, that's, <laughs> that was my first go-to joke. Like, this is so easy. <laughs> yeah but uh if you have that or other suggestions you know feel free to vote on them because we definitely have that mechanism in place um but as always we'll see you in the next one have a good night